0: So this week we are going to jump into our sermon series titled Expectancy, and this week we'll be talking about um, waiting for God to show you the other half of the picture. Last week we talked about um, God changing our name, changing our, not so much our name as changing our future, changing our legacy. Um, we talked about how sometimes we allow our past to bog us down, to, uh, to stop us from witnessing, to stop us from doing the things that God wants us to do and we shouldn't allow our past to do that so we prayed even we had a nice big prayer session up here at the end and and just praying that God would break those chains of our past and allow us to move forward and so um, God has a great and bright future for all of us he really does and 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 so his plan is better than our plan and and man so this week we're going to talk about that plan for your life and uh, so, you know, have you been waiting for God to show you what to do? Have you been waiting? Have you ever thought to yourself, "What? wonder what my purpose is in life? Why am I coming to church? What, what, what's the deal? What, what's happening here? Um, do you feel stagnant, like you've just been coming, going through the motions? Like, I've just come to church on Sunday, and I'll just keep doing this for a while, and then we'll see what comes of that. Like, do you feel like you've kind of grown stagnant in that? Do you feel... You know what I mean? You just have that feeling like, this is just another thing that I have to get done today on Sunday. Today we'll discuss what God has for us, and we already discussed the past things like um, allowing God to change our mind, our will, and our emotions, and uh, what to do and what not to do after we mess up, and then focusing on the future and not worrying about the past. So let's look at our Bible verse for this series, the theme verse, and then we'll jump in, okay? And the Bible verse is Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. And it goes like this And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you, so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for another awesome day. Thank you for a sermon series that has challenged me. If it hasn't challenged anybody else, God, you've challenged me through this series to allow my heart to change and allow my mind to change and start making steps and decisions right now, God, that will impact my future. And and Father, I just thank you for the individual message that your Holy Spirit speaks. So today, God, I ask that you do it again, that you allow your Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us individually to give us a unique message, God, that we could hear from you and that we could apply to our lives, God, that we could change and walk out of here differently than when we walked in. We love you and we thank you for all your provision, all the blessings that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason I chose that theme verse, if you guys ever notice, like if you do a sermon series, there's always usually a theme verse, or there's like a title, and then all the rest of the titles kind of coincide with that main title and all the points. You know, if you're a pastor, if you've ever been around sermons very long, you start to realize these trends. And so I chose this theme verse. I chose it for this reason, was because I believe our heart is something that we should continuously be working on. It's something that we shouldn't ever just say, oh, our heart's good now, we're good, let's leave that, let's focus on the next thing. No, our heart is something that we should every day be praying, God, give me a tender, responsive heart. If we're not careful, our heart can harden, and then we're not so uh, responsive to God's call to our life, we're not responsive to anything that God has for us, because our heart is hardened. And if you read some of the Old Testament stories, it talks about how people's heart would harden, and then God would destroy the nations, and He would destroy cities and, and kingdoms. And and so you don't want your heart to ever harden. And so I want you guys to always focus and always concentrate on having a soft, tender heart that is responsive to God's call to your life, because. Whether you think it or not or know it or not, God has callings for each one of us. He has a unique and individual calling for every single person in this room. I don't care if you're 90 or if you're three. Everybody has a calling in their life. I'm not a prophet. I'm not going to stand up here and act like I'm going to call each one out and tell you exactly what that is. But what I can do is take you to the Bible and show you a couple of things in the Bible that talks about your calling, that talks about what God calls you to do, how he wants you to live your life, and that we can do those simple callings while we're waiting on God to show us the rest of the picture, while we're waiting for God to show us the other half, the other thing that we're supposed to do, the next step. So you can, everybody can do these things. These are all tangible things, and these are all for you, okay? Number one is you are called to love God and love people. You're called to love God and love people. Matthew 22, 37 and 39, through 39, says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, the first and greatest. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is so hard sometimes. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I have neighbors that are loud, and they drive me crazy, and I, it's hard to love them sometimes. But I have to love them. I have to do it. But that is very, that's a hard verse to swallow sometimes. But we are called to love God, love people. Is love God, love people something we just write on the walls? Love God, love people. Is it something that we just write on our chalkboard back there? I see it back there. You know, it's on our signs, it's on our Facebook posts, it's on, you know, if we have Twitter, hashtag, love God, love people, hashtag. And then, so there's all these different things, and we just post it everywhere, on Facebook posts, on everything, man. It's like, love God, love people, love God, love people, love God, love people. If we're not careful, love God, love people just simply becomes something that we say. Love God, love people simply becomes a draw, like, oh, that church loves God and it loves people. I want to love God and love people, I'll go there. I don't ever want it to just become a slogan. I don't ever want love God, love people to just be something that we hear and something that we say. I think when Jesus was speaking here, he was calling us into action. He was saying, I need you to go and love God, actively love God, and actively love people. It's important that we do both, and it's important that you have this basis. Deuteronomy 10.12 states, What does God require you to do? And it goes on to say, Love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. So there's another place in the Bible where it says, Love and serve him with everything you got. Love him. Serve him. God is awesome, and he has all kinds of different cool plans for your life. Love him. Is there perks? Why should we love him? Is there reasons behind why we should love God? In John 14, 21, It says this, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. So those who hear his commandments and accept them and obey those commandments, those are the people that love him. If you see people that claim to love him and they're not following what Jesus said, do they love God? Is that what we're saying here? I don't know. So here we go. Love God, love people, and because they love me, my Father will love them. So there's a perk. And I will love them, so Jesus loves you too, and reveal myself to each of them. That is so important. Because in my daily life, I want to draw closer and closer and closer to God on a daily basis. Like if I wake up and the only thing I get done from sun up to sundown is getting closer to God, that is a productive and good day for me. Like that's important enough. And I just that's my main goal. Every single day when I wake up is to become some way closer to God by reading, by worshiping, by, by talking about him, by doing something that's going to allow me to get closer to him. So if I have to follow his commandments and obey what he says and love him, then that's, that's easy. I can do those things, and those are all tangible things that we can all do. You can all obey the commands. We can all love God and love people. So why should we love people? Are there benefits to loving people? In John 4, 7 through 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. He is love. And if you love, you are showing God to another. And if you are in line at McDonald's and you pay for the person's meal behind you, And tell them to say, hey, tell them I said, God bless, and I just want to pay for their meal. That is showing love to another. That is showing Jesus Christ to them. Whenever they have never seen, maybe they've never had somebody say that to them. Or if you're at the grocery store and you buy someone's groceries, or you buy groceries for your neighbor who's sick, or you mow their lawn, or you fix their car, or, or whatever you may do for another, out of love is showing them Jesus. And that may be the only Jesus that they ever get to see. Just by you simply having a moment where you're giving to them, by your loving people, God calls us to love him and love his people. It is a strong foundation to build any purpose, any calling that you have. And it even says in Matthew that this is the first and greatest thing, and that every other commandment, every other order falls underneath these things. Everything grows from this. So, this is a f- solid foundation to build your Christianity on. Is loving God first and loving people. Okay. Number two, you are called to spread the gospel. You're all called to spread the gospel. Matthew twenty eight, nineteen, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark sixteen, fifteen, Jesus states it this way go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to everybody. Nobody's excluded here. It's every person, every nation, every tribe, every child, every doll, every Lewis Countyan needs to know about Jesus, and it's our calling, it's our job to do that. We are called to share the message that Jesus came to save and he came to serve. If you don't know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, I can put it in like a sentence form for you. It's not the full, you know, but it kind of covers. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came, died for our sins, arose from the grave after defeating all his enemies, so that we can be forgiven for our sins through that sacrifice and have joy everlasting. That is the gospel. Jesus came, he died, he rose, he showed people that he rose, and then he ascended to heaven with the Father That is the gospel, and now we no longer have condemnation on ourselves. We no longer have to pay for our own sin. We no longer have to wallow in it. We can just be free and able to accept a gift. That is what it is. The gospel is a free gift. It's something that you can't work for. You can't read enough Bible to get salvation. You can't pray enough to get salvation. You can't buy enough food for people to get salvation. You can't mow enough lawns. You can't serve enough people. You can't work enough to earn salvation. It is a free gift that we accept through faith. And we allow that gospel to strengthen us daily. Because I need it every day of my life. I need to know that God died for my sin because I sin on a daily basis. I mess up every single day. And I'm like, God, how in the world can you still forgive me when I mess up all the stinking time? Like, what is the deal here? Am I the only one? This happens to me all the time. And I'm just so grateful for the gospel. I'm so grateful that Jesus came and died for our sins so that I don't have to suffer. I don't have to pay for those sins. And I can freely come to God and say, God, I'm a messed up individual, and I need you every single day. I need your sacrifice every single day. Thank you for doing that for me that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and sometimes we get caught up in thinking that well the gospel is the pastor's job that's his job to tell everybody or or maybe that's the leadership team's job or or actually it might be the worship team to Greg Donna, that's your guys job to spread the gospel and and we get caught up in thinking that like it's the people who's in charge of the church that's their job that's their position but you know it that's true but it's also all of our job to spread the gospel it is. I don't want to be that person that's constantly in someone's face, like pressing every single second that they get and just asking every single, you know, telling everybody about, you know, blah. every time they get, they're like, hey, you got a flat tire? Guess who never had a flat tire? Jesus never had a flat tire. He uh, died for your sins, and there's that. And so, yeah, like, you know, all you, you said your jeans your need hemmed up. You know what my favorite hymn is? The old rugged cross, that's where Jesus died on the cross, and he died for our sin. Like, Like, that's not the kind of person that I want to be. I don't want to be that person, but I do want to be the type of person that lives a certain lifestyle. Like, if I'm going through something so terrible, so awful in my life that I'm just like, everybody else will be crumbling or crying or going into mass chaos, and here I am calm and peaceful. And I want to have someone come up to me and say, hey, how are you so calm? How are you so peaceful in this moment? And I can look them in the eye and say, because Jesus died for my sin and I accepted that free gift of salvation. And one of the amazing perks that I get from that is that I'm able to be calm. I'm able to be peaceful and free. And that's something that he gives me that no one else can. And that is a effective way to share the gospel, to share your testimony, and just to, you can look for these moments throughout your day. And if you begin to actually look and focus on these moments, if you begin to search them out, they happen several times a day. But if you're never thinking about sharing the gospel, if you're never having that in the forefront of your mind, then you'll never find those moments. You may be thinking, I I go all day long and I never have an opportunity. Well, are you paying attention? Are you seeing the signs that Jesus has given you, the opportunities that he's given you to take and say, hey, this is a moment I need you to share me with this guy. I need you to share my love to this person. And that's what we have to do. That's what we are called to do. He calls us to share the gospel of Jesus. Point number three, you are called to make the most of every single day that you're blessed to have. You are called to have a great and productive life. Don't waste your life. In Luke 12, 16 through 21, Jesus talks about a rich man, and this rich man is building up for his future. How many people know that building for your future is a good thing? Uh, Planning for the future is a very smart, smart, smart thing to do. If you want to get a little bit older and retire and have all these awesome vacations like PAP, Pap's got all the vacations. He's got got this thing down, man. He's got it all figured out, all right? So I want to be like Pap, all right? I want to have a good future. I want to build for my future. I want to have that moment where I can retire and enjoy my family and enjoy everybody and just enjoy life. I want to have that. But in this parable, the rich man is so solely focused on his future. Like he just can't stop thinking and planning and working towards that future goal. He has all these crops. He has three barns full of crops. And he thinks, man, I have more crops. I I don't have enough room in these barns. I'm going to tear down these barns, build even bigger barns, and then I'm going to put the crops in that. And then when I fill those huge, huge barns, I'll finally have enough. I'll finally be able to sit back and relax. And Jesus says, you're a fool. You're a fool because you have wasted your whole life building up and trying to store up all these different things and now tonight you're going to die and who's going to have your things then? Who's going to live off your crops then? What good are your crops going to do you now? You've abandoned your relationship with me. You've abandoned your relationship with your family. You've abandoned your relationship with your friends and you've lost sight of everything because you're planning so much for the future. It's cool and awesome To plan for your future, but do not get so caught up in planning for your future and working for your future that you forget to be present in the moment that you're in right now. My pastor and my sister's pastor as a kid, Pastor Carl Stanfield, and she'll know as soon as I say this, but he used to say this once a sermon, and I'll be interested to see if she does remember, but he said this once a sermon. He said, Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may never come. Yep, there it is. All right, so she remembers that, and he said that every single sermon, every single time, and he drilled that into our head. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. You're not promised tomorrow, and that used to scare me to death as a kid. (laughs) I didn't like it. I was like, man, what, am I going to die tonight? Like, am I going to die on the way home? I'd just freak out, but the reality is is that we don't know. We really honestly don't know. We're not promised to get to get to IHOP and eat all the wonderful pancakes that I'm getting ready to tear them up. I'm telling you what, I'm I'm gonna mess them up. But anyway, we're not promised that. We're not all right, we're not promised those things. We're not promised that we're gonna live the next ten minutes. All we're promised is this moment right now, this time right now. And don't forget and don't get so caught up in the rat race of, of earning and building and, and looking towards the future that you forget that the most important thing you can do is wake up and just tell God, man, thank you for letting me wake up today. And here I am. I'm yours. I'm going to I'm gonna dedicate my life to you today. I'm going to do something for you today. I'm going to look for a chance to spread your gospel today. And I'm going to take time and be present in the moment today with my family, with people who matter and I care about. And I'm going to put down the phone for a second and look them in the eye and have a conversation with people and just be able to be present because, guys, that is the most important thing is being in the moment right now and also in the moment when you're doing the right things now, your future is going to be bright. When you're focused on taking care of things in in, in the present and focused on building towards a future, you can't do it unless you're focused on the now. So don't forget, guys, that you have to live each day with a purpose. Even if you haven't quite figured out what that purpose is yet, take time and live each day as if you figured it out. Live each day with an intentionality to help somebody to, to pray for somebody, to, to love God, to love people, to, to share the gospel, to make the most of each and every day that you're blessed to have here on this earth. I want to grow closer and closer and closer to God every single day of my life. So have we been wasting our time? Have we been just been going through those motions? Have we been filling our life with these different things, trying to fill voids? And have we just been, ugh, and, uh, you know, here I am at church again. Why are you in that moment? Are you tired of sitting around? Are you tired of that? Are you ready to move forward? Are you ready to be present in the moment? Are you ready to begin doing the things that God has called each and every single one of us to do? Yes, these are not things that are like, oh, these are awesome, I'm going to— you know, be a rock star or something. No, they're not these things, but they're the small things that are going to give you a bright and productive future. The things that you can do right now is love God, love people. That's easy. You can do that. The things you can do right now is say, hey, Jesus died for you, and he loves you, okay? That's, a, that's an easy thing to do. The thing that you can do right now is put down the phone, put down the work, put everything else aside, and have a conversation with your spouse, with your loved ones, with your kids, let them know that you care about them. Take time to pour into people's life and say, Josiah, I'm so proud of you, man. You do an awesome job. You're smart. You you take time and and you build yourself up in school and you pray like a champion and and you know a lot about the Bible. Sometimes I'm like, he might know more than I do, and and that's awesome, man. You're you're awesome. And and take those moments to build people up. It's okay to let people know how you feel from time to time. It's okay to build people up and to encourage one another. That's what we are here to do as a church. We're here to build each other up. We're here to equip each other to run the race with everything that we've got left in us. So if you'll stand with me today, and I hope, you know, and I hope that everybody here, I hope that you guys want to live a life of intentionality. And uh, a couple months ago, actually, I preached a a sermon on uh, teen suicide and... um, Suicide in general. And in that sermon, I said, I want to do something now. I want to make a difference now. I'm not going to wait anymore for the next teen suicide to make a difference. I'm not going to wait for something else. I'm not going to wait for someone else. I'm going to start doing things now. So I started meeting with some of you. I started getting some ideas from some of you guys. I know Sammy and Kelsey helped me out with some stuff, and they got me hooked up with some people at school. So I've been meeting with some of the school officials and things like that, and I got hooked up with Miss Pew, and she hooked me up with this cool shirt, man. It's like the softest shirt in the world, by the way, just to let you know. I love it. But anyway, she gave me this cool shirt, and they have a program called Sources of Strength. And So I'm working with her. I'm trying to build that up. So far, all I've done is buy clothespins. You know, not a big deal, but I'm trying. I'm getting my foot in the door. And, and even just by doing that, she looked at me and said, Thank you so much for building me up and, and filling up my cup again, was what she said exactly. Thank you for filling up my cup. Because she had gotten to a point to where she thought nobody had cared about Sources of Strength. Nobody, The students wasn't responding. But even if, and I reminded her, I said, Miss Pugh, even if one child is affected by this program, it's worth it. It's worth all your work, it's worth all your struggle if one child decides not to kill themselves because of what you're doing here. And so I ask that you guys would pray for Sources of Strength, pray for Mrs. Pugh, pray that we'll be able to help and aid them as a church and as a, a people group and, and just whatever I can do, I'll do it. And, um, but I want to live that life intentionality. I don't just want to sit idly by anymore. I don't, I don't like that. I, I want to do things. I want to be called into action, into actually doing church, not going to church, but doing church, like, like actually taking the church to people That's what we're here for, and that's what I want to do, and I hope that you guys want to do that. So if everybody will bow their head and close their eyes, and if you're here, and that's you, man, you want to be that intentional. You want to have that life that goes forward, that actually moves into action. You want that lifestyle. Then I want you to raise your hand up. Absolutely, man. Hands all over the place. Fantastic. Look at this. The whole stinking church, pretty much. That is great awesome so as a church today we have made a decision that we want to be intentional we want to move forward we want to do the things that god has called us to do we want to love him love his people we want to share the gospel we want to live each and every day to the fullest we want to be productive we want to live those kinds of lives so let's pray and you can pray your own prayer and just allow the holy spirit to speak to you in this time father god thank you for everything that you're doing in this church, in this body, God. We ask that you would help us, God, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us um, a mindset that is no longer a dull mindset, a mindset that is ready for action, God, Not no longer setting back, no longer waiting for others, God, but now we're moving forward. We're, we're called into what you want us to do, and we are actually taking steps to do those callings, God, to do the things that you need us to do. Give us the encouragement, God, that we need. Help us to build each other up. Help us to encourage one another and ask each other to help or, or whatever we may need. God, just ask us, and we will do it, Father. We love you so much, and we appreciate all your blessings in our lives, and we just ask that you would continue to pour out your many, many blessings on Bethesda. And his people, and on this community. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.